Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. James, uh, we're almost at the end of September. We're like a week into camp, not a, not quite a week into camp. Are you loving the preseason? Are you having so much fun? Um, to be honest, I I was playing hockey on Sunday, so I missed a big chunk of that game. I was listening to the on the radio, and it was you know it was nice to be driving to hockey and hearing uh, Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph calling the game. It's it's been it's the weather has been incredible, so it hasn't really felt like September. It's been so nice out. It almost feels like extended summer or something this year. And uh, but I don't know. It's it's been good to have the game on again. And I, I came down to I was at training camp there one day last week, which was which was nice. It um, would I don't know I don't know how how are you how does this camp for you? You've been there every day. How does this camp for you compare to the other eighteen or whatever the hell number you've been to? Uh, you know, it's interesting. It, it feels a little bit lighter around them. I don't know why that is. Um, like it's not like, I mean, obviously there's been change, but there's not been change, but it does feel like there's like a lighter atmosphere. Uh, maybe that's just like, it's, it's fall, it's training camp. Um, like the season hasn't started, but it does feel a little bit different. And obviously a lot is the same. A lot is different. Um, 
it's been like not the most interesting camp, I don't think so far, maybe because it's still so early. Uh, but there's interesting stuff, I think, for us to get into. We're going to take a lot of questions today. Um, I wanted to start with William Nealander at center. Obviously, that was something we discussed with, with CJ last week. Um, but is there anything you want to touch on before we get to that? Do you want to talk about Easton Cowan and his impressive preseason debut? Is there something like you really want to get to you're so excited to talk about? I mean, we can talk about Cowan. I mean, it's it's... You know, it was just kind of cool to see, I tweeted this out that he was born in May of 2005. It's just cool to see an 18-year-old kid like live out a dream, even though like it's preseason, so it's easy to be like, oh, it doesn't matter. And But he's got his family there. He's playing at the at Scotiabank Arena in downtown Toronto. You know, here's a kid that grew up on a farm and like it's, it's, it's cool stuff. Like you feel good for the kid like doing that and um, you know, it's... The longer you do this, the more the younger that they seem. Like I saw him at training camp on Friday, and it's like, wow! Like he he would not look out of place in like a grade ten classroom or something like that. And I'm of the I'm of the age now where like my kids are getting are, are closer in age to some of the players than I am. So, but it's it was just it, I didn't you like I don't know what it what it felt like in the building and whatever. I wasn't there. I was watching on TV, but it just felt like kind of like a really cool moment for for Cowan there. Yeah, like in the building, it still just feels like a preseason game. Like it's not full. It's just kind of, but like it, it's obviously a nice story. You know, he's just drafted. And he, honestly, like it doesn't mean nothing. It doesn't mean everything, but it's impressive when a like a kid in his first camp just comes in and just kind of makes himself noticeable and stands out because usually that's not what happens. Like aside from like the super duper Matthews, Marner, McDavid kind of players, Typically, like the, your first camp, like you're just kind of like a little. You're nervous. You're you're not. You're you're kind of out of sorts. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and so for him to come in and and look comfortable and look confident, and you know, Sheldon Keith was was raving about him today, and you know, Cowan's going to play again at all, right? Which is what you want to see is that it's not. Lots of kids get to this level, and then it's like, oh, I'm sitting next to Austin Matthews, and there's whatever sixteen thousand people in the building, and this is what I watch on TV and it's, and it takes them, sometimes it takes them a couple of years to get over that. Now, I think where it gets a little dicey in this market is like, now it's like immediately is, is he going to make the team? And like, I think like pump the brakes on that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Well, it's extremely, extremely unlikely for most of the, t- sometimes the, you know, if you're a top 10 pick, or I, I probably even top 20, you can get, you know, with the addition, right? Because you can play the nine games before it burns a year of your contract. And there's going to be some of that happening around the league. And sometimes it's like, when is he going back to junior and stuff like that? I think that that's probably, at best, that's a next year conversation for Cowan. But yeah, it's fun when, and, and the other thing too, is early in preseason, those are like the sloppiest, most AHL-like games too, right? So the big thing is he's getting another game. And do you know who's he, who he's going to play with in the in the next preseason game? Well, he was skating on their uh, quote unquote, actually not even quote unquote, their actual fourth line, like taking reps mm. like him and Gregor and Camp and Reeves, but they're not dressing everyone in that game. So we'll see like who he's actually going to play with. Mm. Um, by the time some people listen to this, they will know who he's going to play with. Um, but yeah, like it's like that. It's the 
dumb and dumber 1%, like you're saying there's a chance, <laughs> right? That's, I mean, that's kind of where it's at right now. But my counter to that, Jonas, is like, what else? I don't know. It's just, that's the kind of thing that is fun to talk about in the very beginning of camp because we're not down to where there's meaningful cuts yet. We pretty much know what the roster is going to be outside of like one or two things. And, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of fun when, but I don't you remember in past years, there's been big storylines around like, David Brohl and, you know, like Stuart yeah. Percy and, and Tyler Well, Biggs remember, and James, like, like back in the day, like uh, in the Burke era, I'm thinking specifically, he would like kind of be like, these are the dark horses I'm looking at. And it's like, oh my God, they would never do that nowadays. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of builds pressure. Remember like, I mean, Tyler Biggs was one, Jerry D'Amico. Anyway, we're going down a rabbit hole. Um, Neil Dirt Center. I do want to talk oh, yeah. about Kling- Klingberg uh, also we'll get to before we get to questions. This is so good. We, I'm getting a not, heads up for what the show's about right now. Yeah, it's good for you. Yeah. Well, it's in the, well, actually it's not in the doc yet. Anyway, um, we talked about this with CJ. Like it's not a huge surprise. It's still something of a surprise that this is like, because this is not the first time this has been discussed. This is not something like you and I have been talking about this forever and, They've kind of like dipped their toe in the water with this, like very, very quickly. Like it's like, you know, when you get in the the lake or something and you're like, oh man, it's way too cold. That's kind of the way it's been to this point where they're like, no, we don't really like this. Like they'll give it a game. They'll give it like a period. Last year, they they gave it one preseason game. They gave it a couple regular season games and like they did not like it. Don't you think they're actually going to do it? Like it kind of seems like they're going to start the season like like this. It seems like they're more intent on trying it. I I will I need to see them get to opening night and actually do it just because of the way it's gone previously. Like clearly we know from Sheldon Keefe this was something that Bradtree Living wanted to see. Um I just have a history of of Keefe trying this and just clearly not liking it. Um like there was a game like the second time they did it last year, uh they played in Nashville and I wrote about this like a couple weeks ago and one thing I had forgot is they actually changed it mid-game. Um, like, mm-hmm. he had Neilander at center, they gave up a goal, and I believe midway through that game, he just moved Kerfoot back into the middle and flipped Neilander onto the wing. Like, it, it didn't even last a game, I guess is my point. So I'm curious to see, like, what his patience level will be with it, but it kind of defeats the purpose, to your point, of not giving it the whole preseason and then maybe giving it five to ten games, Right. I think that that's what they're going to do. And I and the reason I think they're going to do that is the same questions we were asking in the summer over, does this team have enough down the middle? Do they have enough centers? What's going to happen to lines three and four? They don't really make sense. That, that's why I don't mind this because this is, this is at least an answer to that problem. Because I think if you came, if you just put Camp at your 3C and Holmberg or Gambrell or someone's your fourth line center... You just you're just not strong enough on your third and fourth line. And I was talking to an executive with another team in the league, and they were saying that they really think of their forward group as like kind of like a top nine group that you want to be able to generate offense from. Like it's okay if you've got defensive guys on your fourth line, but you really need offense from that third line. And the way that things were setting up for the Leafs is it didn't look like they were going to have that. If you split this up and it's first line Matthews, second line Nylander, third line Tavares, or however you want to label it, that's how I would label it you can generate offense from all three of those lines and all of a sudden you've solved that that issue if 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 it can hold in the defensive end i guess is the big question i think that's one of the more interesting questions 
I mean, there's lots of interesting questions actually in there. Is can it hold defensively? Like, can that work with Neilander in that spot? Uh, surrounded by like Domi and whoever, like Callie Arncock is obviously kind of safe defensively. And then like to your point about three lines that can score, like I, I just look at that, that Tavares line and I kind of wonder like, what, what's that line supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like, can that line actually generate offense? Like, don't you need someone who's going to make plays for Tavares? Isn't that something we, we've learned in the last few years that when he wasn't, I mean, he hasn't played with without Marner or, or Neander very much, but he kind of needs someone to kind of create those opportunities. And I look at Lafferty and I look at Nyes and I just don't know who's going to do that. Yeah, I laugh because that the office space line is ringing in my ears when you say that. What is it you say you do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, I mean, when we saw Nyes and Tavares last year briefly, like it looked like, it, yeah. I mean, it's going to be more of a ham and egg line than like it's not going to be. The, Lafferty's there to get the puck and burn down the wing and get offensive zone time. And then they're going to hope that Tavares and Nyes win some board battles. And you got to, like, I, I think that they're viewing that as kind of the third line, easy matchups, uh, maybe offensive zone starts at times. Okay, but wait, can I interrupt you there? If that line's getting easy matchups, what is the Nealander line getting? What's, no, I know. Like, no, it's a fair question. I think potentially the tough match lines are going to be Camp and, and Matthews that they get the defensive zone starts. Part of me wonders, based on what happened in the second half last year, if this is also preparing to ensure yourself in the event that you want to move Tavares to the wing at some point during the season, because what's happened is they just obviously haven't had options in recent years. They had an option last year with Ryan O'Reilly. They started the playoffs with Tavares on the wing with O'Reilly. At least now, if you see, if you give this some runway, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. If you get to a point in the season where you want to actually move him over and do something else, you have an option. No, you don't agree? Well, you still run into the same thing I was just talking about where like, is, right. so is camp your third line center then? Like you're, you just. Well, but, but James, to counter you, it's not like you looked in, like go back to the playoffs. It's not like they were getting a ton of offense from their third line, which if memory serves was Nyes, Bunting and O'Reilly or Nyes, Nyes, O'Reilly, and a Charlie. It's not like those lines were like built for offense. Those lines, at least to me, served like a function in theory. I mean, I, they actually didn't really work that well. Um, but yeah, like I, I like them trying this. I, like, I mean, I, I remember asking Kyle Dubas two summers ago if they were going to move Marner to center. And he laughed and he said, like, Mitch Marner has been the best right winger in the NHL for two years in a row. And he, like, why would we move him? But clearly, they needed to do something to your point to give themselves more depth down the middle. I think doing this for the first 10 games of the season is smart. I mean, part of the story of their offseason is they wanted to bring O'Reilly back. Like, that was a move that they, they tried to make. And the reason they tried to make it is because they wanted to be three lines deep down the middle. And not being able to get him, and they weren't able, There's there wasn't really any other centers to go out and sign in free agency that made a lot of sense. You probably don't want to play Domi down the middle for reasons well, of... Can I ask you, like, to me, that's like a back pocket option. Like, if this, if he doesn't like this look, that kind of feels like if you don't want to play Kampf in the, the third spot, that's kind of like your next move. Like, which I don't know that that's really any better. I think um, then you'd, maybe you'd have to go, 
You'd have to, it, it don't be down the middle. You have to shelter and it has to be an offense first line that is in the offensive zone. And then, then you all of a sudden you've got to do something. You've either got to, I don't know. Cause, cause then all of a sudden you're back to Tavares and Nylander together or, or Nylander and Domi together. I mean, but again, like, is that like, it's kind of not a line that you're really going to want to trust. I, I still like, I, I wonder and we have not seen this, and we know what Sheldon Keefe's preference is. I still think like they might be best served just putting like Yarncroc and Bertuzzi with Matthews and playing Marner somewhere else. But yeah, I, I wonder. You could see why he likes him. Like to your point, like about matchups. When you play Marner and Matthews together, that's like your matchup line. You can play them against anybody, and obviously, like you see their chemistry. They they just play so well together. Well, it's it's super early, but. One thing you and I were kind of just kicking around is, and this this isn't, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if like if Bertuzzi's not the best fit there, then all of a sudden something different's going to happen on that line. Like there's no yeah. guarantee that that's locked in for sure going to work. Yeah, I'm going to write about that later this week. I think that's really interesting because, I mean, it's it's like the first few days of camp, but one of the things, like there's some things about him that I that are obviously similar to Michael Bunting, but there are, there are also things that are different. And that was something Matthews mentioned at one point. So I'm just going to watch. Like I, I, it doesn't look like it's like, yes, this is, this is going to work just yet. Like it doesn't even, anyway, it's been like one game and a few practices, but it hasn't, I'll be watching because that will change your lineup dynamic. If you don't want to play him there, right? Like all of a sudden Bertuzzi would probably go play with, Tavares and maybe move Nyza up. I don't know. Maybe Yarncroc. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if Yarncroc can actually play there, and he looked he looked fine there at, th- at times last year, then all of a sudden it gives you another weapon down the lineup in in Bertuzzi. Yeah, he's just like he's like vanilla ice cream there, right? Like he's just kind of yeah. I'll have a bowl of vanilla ice cream. Like he's fine. <laughs> Yarncroc. But maybe yeah. you only need vanilla because you've got yes. you've already, you got you've sprinkles already got, and caramel well, you, and yeah, yeah, chocolate sauce. Like you got yeah. other stuff on that line already. Yeah, I wish I made more Sundays. By the way, I I wish I, I do. You make them at home, like with the kids. Like I you, I got into this routine at one point. It was like oh, ice cream every day after dinner. This is great. And then it's like you, <laughs> you like step on this scale and you're like, what the hell? It's like okay, not ice cream. Not ice I don't mean day. just ice cream. I mean like going like the full mile. Like, do you buy like chocolate sauce? Do you buy we, caramel? We have this store that is like this this ice cream place in our neighborhood, and it's like a five minute walk away. And they will like you can get like the waffle cone that's like dipped in uh. chocolate with sprinkles on it, and like and the and you it's they've got like seven different sizes of ice cream. And if you order any of them that are not the bottom three, you're getting like an entire tub of ice cream on the end of your <laughs> cone. And it's like like it's just like who who's eating this? So, anyway, I, that's great. Yeah, to answer Lucky your question, you. I, I've seen all permutations of ice cream that exist in the last seven years. Okay, well, I don't know what flavor of ice cream this next person we're going to talk about is. <laughs> Maybe that's a full story at the athletic. Which flavor of ice cream are you, um, John Klingberg? I read it. We, yeah, <laughs> we saw uh, John Klingberg's first game on Monday night. We also have learned something we were curious about heading into camp. Would he be on the first power play unit? The answer to start anyway is yes. Um, what was your first impression of John Klingberg in a Leaf uniform? 
Uh, he was kind of what I, he was kind of what I expected. <laughs> it was kind of, uh, there was some riverboat gambler going on there. It's funny. He's wearing three, he's wearing Hall's old number. And <laughs> the, you know, when he makes a mistake, I, I saw some people on social media were kind of saying like, Oh, I thought it was Hall making a mistake, but it's just the new guy wearing the same number. Wasn't that FNF's number two? Yes. Okay. Maybe they should just maybe they should just throw the number three away if it doesn't work this year. Just burn it. <laughs> Be done with it. Just just retire it and just just retire it with a bunch of X's where the name is. Yeah. So I mean, we don't want. I don't want to make too much of like a preseason, his first preseason game, whatever. Um, do you think he's going to work with that first power play unit? Like that. That I feel like that unit's going to be good no matter who's on it. Like I, mm-hmm. I, you could put Jake McCabe on that power play unit. It's probably just going to be top five in the NHL. Yeah, but, clean but do you like the Jake. idea of, I know, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's going to be good no matter what. It's not going to really be great because of that person, but I guess they're making the bet that maybe we can take an A power play up to an A plus or like an 85 up to an 89. You know what I mean? I don't even think that matters, Jonas. I think that if, if he can give them what Riley gave them there, then save Riley for other minutes and get him to focus on playing. What other minutes? minutes? So I guess would be the question. Like he's not on the penalty kill. So I guess you just play him even more strength. I mean, look at the other options that they've got there. Right. So, and maybe you do use him on the penalty kill a little bit more, like when someone's in the box or whatever. But I think what it does is it's the same thing as when they got Tyson Berry. It's like, if you're not going to use this guy in the power play, then like, why did you pay 4.15 million for him? Because, you know, you go back, I, I, I got to write something about this at some point, but if you go back and you look at Klingberg's numbers, like he was one of the top power play defensemen in the league. If you go back, you know, you got to take out the Anaheim year because that team was such a disaster. But you go back his last three, four years in Dallas, like very, very impressive results there. So I think that it makes a ton of sense to start preseason and start the actual season with him there. And if it doesn't work and they struggle, then you can all, it, it, Keith said it best. He's like, we know what it's going to be with Riley. We've seen that so many times. Let's see what the new guy looks like. And to his credit, Morgan Riley came out and was, was talking uh, at camp about how good Klingberg is in the power play and really building him up in that role, even though it means that he's not, not going to get as many points, et cetera, et cetera, and be in a bit of a different role. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if it actually does work because like you bring up Barry, it didn't work with Barry and eventually they went back to Riley. Like that was one of the early changes that Sheldon Keefe made eventually is he took Barry in. I think he even played them together at some points, even on the power play. He obviously did it at five on five, but it just didn't really work with Barry. And eventually they went back to Riley. Like it kind of, I mean a different, they're lucky Riley is, is built, I guess the way he is, but like, you wouldn't be able to get away with this as many times as they have with any other person. Like, they, well, remember they did this with Rasmus Sandin, who was a rookie in the playoffs, and like, they just kind of keep. I don't know. Like, I don't. I, I think it's obviously worthwhile, especially like you can build up Klingberg's confidence. Like, suddenly he's getting some points. He's feeling some good. You know what I mean? Like early in the season, contract mm-hmm. year, that kind of thing. Klingberg is a very good passer. I mean, I think that that's what people will see. Like he's he's just very very good. The number of primary assists that he had playing in Dallas on the power play was was elite. Um, now he's a little bit older than then, and he's had some struggles since then. So we'll see if that's replicable, you know, on this team. But I mean, to your point on Riley's a good one in that 
part of that is the the value of having a guy who's been here a long time, who's in your leadership group, and who's signed for a long time, because he's not thinking, oh, oh it's a it's a contract year. If I'm not on the power play one, it's going to affect my contract, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to worry about any of that shit. Like if Morgan Riley only has 19 points this year, but the Leafs perform, it doesn't matter. It doesn't impact anything, really. Yeah. I do wonder though, like I'll be curious, like again, one game, like his decision-making will be a point of curiosity as well. Like his play defensively like that. going to see how that works. Right. I was a bit surprised. Like Keith came right out and was like, this guy's got to get better defensively. Basically like, well, like I'm glad he did that because like, you can't run away from that. Like statistically he has, I mean, some of the worst numbers in the league. And well, wait, he's what, like 32 years old? Like he's been in the league a long time. He's been 31. All, yeah. He's been an all-star. He's gotten Norris votes in the, in the past. Like, you know, like it's, and this is a guy you bring in and you're going to all, you're going to be talking about like his defensive game, like right off the, off the top. Like it's 31, eh? Huh? In person, I thought he, he looked like, he, he looks like an older guy. You know, he's got the he, missing teeth. You know what's interesting, and, James? Like, in person, he's not as big as I thought he was. Well, he's he's a gangly guy. Like, he's he's kind of... He's, yeah, kind he's of very skinny and lanky, and, like, he's kind of like you. He's built more like not me. not as tall. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you can play on the power play. I... I, I mean, Good I can job. in my... I can in my beer league in Division 6, and I'm... I'm, I'm a net front guy. I'm not... Uh, I'm not. I'm not playing on the point. I don't know how. I don't know how people do that. Like the ability to like see the whole ice surface and pass the puck like that is is really impressive. They're pro athletes, yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> well, not. But even like the guys on my team that are good at it, like it's just not a like the way that Mitch Marner is, where he can like kind of just like find everyone. That's that's not my game. All right, uh, a couple things. Actually, let's take a break and then we'll get to a couple more things and then we'll dive into a lot of questions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Before we get to questions, two other things I wanted us to get to. It looks like actually for real this time, maybe Austin Matthews will be killing penalties this season. Maybe. Um, do you like this idea? Do you think it's not a wise use of his minutes? What do you think? Would he be out there with Marner, do you think? Do you think that that's the I That's my combo? suspicion is like, so mm. I think the way that they would do it, and again, they've been doing different stuff just because it's the preseason and they're trying to see different things. I would think they go Marner and Camp like normal. I would think they go Yarncroft and Lafferty. And then I would think on like that third rotation or fourth rotation, you go Marner-Matthews. Matthews, Marner. 
right? And really put some pressure on the defense. Like you think mm-hmm. to some of like you, he mentioned, you know, Marshan and and Bergeron. I think back to like Hosa and Taves when they're together. Like when you put two guys like that out there together, like think of the pressure you're putting on the opposing power play to take care of the puck, make good decisions. Because like if you fuck up, bam, like Matthews and Marner, two of the best players in the league, are going down for you know, going to the races. Oh, well, we're getting that little E next to the podcast episode this week with the explicit. Does the AI know or like, do we have to well, tell Have you them? seen, if you, if you go on like Spotify, some of our episodes have a little E next to them because. Explicit. Oops. <laughs> well, sorry about that. And then, then the children who have our podcast queued up in their feed, it just skips over that episode. It's like, no, <laughs> cover your ears. <laughs> I do wish on Spotify. I don't know if people, if this exists, I wish there was a way that it wouldn't play like explicit songs when I've got my kids in the car. It's it's a real problem. I wish there was a button I could hit or something. Can I just ask, what songs are you playing that are explicit? Well, you know, you listen I listen to like heavy metal. Yeah. They, they, Can they you even understand in, when they swear? They swear and I don't listen to the like, I don't, I don't listen to that kind of heavy metal. Okay. I mean, like I, Nine Inch Nails is one of my favorite bands. Like they swear, Tool swears. I mean, oh yeah, that's true. Nine Inch Nails does swear. That's right. Yes, they do. (laughs) You shouldn't be listening to Nine Inch Nails with your kids. Like, what are you doing? They like some of it. (laughs) My my son loves Metallica. Loves it. It's like his favorite. Master of Puppets is his favorite song. It's hilarious. Wow. Eight years old. All right. Anyway, uh, do you like it? (laughs) Uh, What were we talking about again? Ice cream? Matthew's on the penalty kill? (laughs) I think it's fine. I think if, if, you know, if this is... It's probably going to be like a 30, 40 seconds a game kind of situation, right? Like, it's, yeah. I think it makes sense. And you look at their personnel and. That's the problem they're having. Yeah. Problem, like maybe is the wrong word, but like they just don't have a lot of guys who can kill penalties. Again, I think that's why they wanted O'Reilly, like was for like to a role like that, right? So they're going to have to get creative with, without having another shutdown center or two-way center. Um. I thought maybe they were going to look at like Gambrell as being like a PK specialist kind of right shot center, but he doesn't really seem to be too in the mix right now, does he? It seems like he's kind of a depth guy if a center gets hurt. Yeah, like I think like it's interesting that they gave Noah Gregor kind of a prominent penalty killing role in his first game. I mean, Obviously, they weren't like using. A, he, looks he looks like, like a, a penalty, penalty killer, killer, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's fast. Like I, I think he has. I wrote about this today, so it's top of mind. I think he has a really good chance to make the team. Obviously, it's going to be dependent on what happens with the Nealander thing, and it's going to be dependent, of course, on how he plays and how other guys play. Well, there's but no downside to signing of, Gregor, is there? Like, if he'll sign no, a league right? minimum deal, I mean, who cares? Like, if it can be just like Abe Kubel or whatever. Like, if it doesn't work, you just put him on waivers and see you later. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, like you, you think back to the playoffs. You know, it was interesting looking through the playoff stats last year on the penalty kill. And man, we are in the deep weeds here with this stat. Um, they basically used like, they didn't even use Kerfoot really all that much on the penalty kill in the playoffs, which I guess I had just like forgot that he kind of slipped to the back of the rotation. But they basically used Camp, Marner, O'Reilly, Achari, and Yarncock. And that was it. Yeah, like O'Reilly, five guys. O'Reilly bumped him, right? And yeah, and Achari, Achari was like their their third most used penalty killer. So you you lose those guys, and suddenly you sign guys like Domi and Bertuzzi who aren't going to kill penalties, and like suddenly you don't have a lot of penalty killers. That, that feels like James, like something that eventually the type of player that they'll trade for at the deadline, someone who can, I don't know, maybe do a little bit more in their bottom six. But we'll see. 
I don't think they're going to, this is, again, we're like way looking way down the line. I don't think they're going to be able to bring in like five, six guys the way they did at the deadline. Like they just don't, right. uh, barring, barring a major injury. So, you know, I've seen some people say we have some like criticisms of the roster of where it's at right now. They're like, oh, they're just going to, they're just going to add, they're going to fix that at the deadline. It's like, well, you, they don't have, the, they're not going to have the cap space. So, you know, I don't know, like maybe you can bring in two guys, maybe you can bring in a defenseman and a, and a depth forward. Like that's probably realistic, but I don't know that they're getting a difference maker at the trade deadline this year. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, Jonas, <laughs> we're talking about it right now, Jonas. <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah, preseason I mean, that's, games in. Yeah, like they could already use a fourth line uh, center. <laughs> um, the other thing I did want to touch on just briefly, because I think he's an interesting name, and Josh Cloak wrote a really good story about him, is Nick Robertson. Um, you and I talked about him on the last podcast. I think we talked about it on the podcast before, just about his chances. I think, like, I, I thought he looked pretty good in his first game. I, I'm interested to see what he does with this camp. I'm interested to see if he can kind of force them into a decision. Because, like, right now, I don't think that they have really a decision. Like, it's probably pretty easy to send him down. Like, there's not really an obvious place in the lineup unless they move some things around, which is very possible. I want him to play a lot. Like, that's the big... I think what you say to him is, like, you're right there to make the team. You're You're just as good as, like, Gregor and these other guys. But we want you to play first line, 20 minutes a game, top power play unit, and just crush it. Like, go to the HL and be one of the best players in the league. And as as soon as there's an injury, you're coming back. That's what I would say to him. Yeah, I think that's a good way to frame it. That that story that that our colleague Joshua Cloak wrote about Robertson, if people didn't see it, I think it came out on the weekend, so I think some people missed it. It's a fantastic story. And I, I love the attitude that Robertson came in with. And, you know, he basically said, correct me if I'm wrong, Jonas, but the quote was something like, I know my name doesn't have like kind of like the shine on it the way that it used to, kind of like the way that, you know, he didn't say exactly this, but kind of the way that, you know, Nyes and maybe Easton Cowan and these other prospects, but he's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, he's just, he seems very focused. And he's one of those guys in that story. If you look at the comments, all the Leafs fans are like, I'm rooting for this guy. Like, I want to see him, I want to see him prove people wrong and, and do it because he's had such bad luck. And, you know, he's a, he's a kid that, that works so hard that it would be nice to see um, something go his way. Well, and to your point, like he has barely played in the AHL. Like he's played 49 AHL games. I added it up, Jonas. He's played 82 pro hockey games in the last three years. So he's basically had a full NHL season spread over three years. Yeah, tough to develop that way. Like he's got to stay healthy and it's really hard that he hasn't been able to, obviously for his development. Uh, Are you ready for some questions? I'm ready. All right. Uh, Kyle wants to know, not Kyle D, it's Kyle A. Didn't get any questions from Kyle D this week. Big listener of the show, Kyle Dubas. (laughs) Yeah, I highly highly doubt it. He's listening to the Pens report now. Um, Kyle A says, how many 20 goal scorers will the Leafs have this season? And before you answer that, Jonas, because I know you're going to say something right off the top of your head. How many did they have last year? Did you know off the top of your head? Actually, I think I do. I think they had six last year. That is correct. I knew you would know the answer to that. And can you name the six? Uh, yep. Uh, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Yarncroc, and Michael Bunting. MB. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. do you know who the who was seventh in goals for the Leafs last year? That's an awesome question. Can I just look quickly back at the roster? Hang on one sec. No. It's someone that is no longer with us. And by no longer with us, I mean... Kerfoot? Uh, 
It was not Kerfoot. Kerfoot had 10 goals, as did Zach Aston Reese, who currently does not have a team. It was someone had more than 10 goals. Uh, and I'm not counting O'Reilly, who had 16, but 12 of them were, th- were with St. Louis. That's a tough Chari? No, he didn't <laughs> have that many with the Leafs. Like, who is, who is it? I'm just looking at the roster. Pierre Engvall. Oh, yeah. Well, he's so far out of mind. Like, I, like he, yeah, anyway, he banished at the trade deadline. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe I shouldn't have counted him, given he, given he got traded. But technically, he had the seventh most goals on the Leafs. He had 12 in 58 games last year. And they're playing him. Aren't they playing him on a scoring line and with the Islanders? Like I, they have, you know, like last year he played with Nelson and, uh, oh, it is, and, and I think Palmieri is who he was playing with. I, I haven't looked at their training camp lines this year, but he was in a James, bum role there last year. He doesn't have to worry about numbers. He's got security. Yeah, that's true. Right? Isn't he signed for seven years? He is. Good for him. <laughs> good for the, uh, good for the old giraffe. What an amazing contract. Uh, so how many will they have this year? So four automatically, right? Barring injuries, right? The four play, four stars mm-hmm. up front are all going to score 20 goals. I mean, they I all had 30 that. plus last year, so I, they're going to get 20 for sure. I think Bertuzzi gets to 20. And I think that might be it. I think there's an outside chance of like Yarncroc and Domi and... Yeah, Domi, I look, Domi's had 20 goals Domi twice before. In, in, including last year. When he was playing like a million minutes, right? Right. But he's not yes. going to play a million minutes this it's year. Interesting when you look at Domi's NHL career, like his minutes are all over the place. Like some teams he would go to, like, and sometimes it wouldn't be a good team. And he's, he was only playing 12, 13 minutes a game. And then he goes to a better team and he's playing, you know, 15, 16 minutes. And he's he, he's played for so many teams. He's been in so many different situations. But I agree with you. I think that Domi is more likely to put up a big year in terms of assists as opposed to goals. I mean, I guess the other candidates would be. I, mean, I feel like it's a lot to ask Nye, Nye to score twenty goals. Uh, Yarncroft did have twenty last year, so I guess it's possible. And he missed nine games, so it's possible that if he plays in more of a scoring role, he could produce. But I, I think you're right that it's probably it's probably the answer is probably five. I think. Yeah, Josh and I have like a, a little bet on how many goals Nye is going to get. I think he thought like he was thinking like nineteen, and I thought that was way too high. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he needs to score 19 goals to be to have a good season. Well, we were talking, you and I were talking about over under how many points he was going to get, right? Yeah, wasn't that last podcast? I don't I don't remember. Was that it in was, real life? Yeah, no, I think it was one of the podcasts. I don't know if it was the last one. It was one of the ones we've done since we've come back and we were talking about over under for points. I think you said like 29 or something, right? Yeah, I mean, like, rookies traditionally don't get a ton of points. Anyway, go ahead. What's the next one? Uh, this is interesting. Uh, Curtis says, uh, Brad Tree Living almost traded TJ Brody in Calgary in a, a Nazem Kadri trade that was nixed by uh, Nazem Kadri. Um, and then let him walk for nothing to the Leafs when he signed as a free agent. What's the relationship like? How does it impact Brody's future in Toronto? Did anyone Has anyone asked... Jonas, has anyone asked Tree Living about Giordano and Brody? And like, like they've got a history there. And some of the history, as Curtis points out in his question, is with Brody is kind of interesting that he moved off of him. Uh, I've not seen him asked about that. I mean, you go through the circumstances with all those situations, like even the Giordano stuff. Like, 
were they not supposed to expose him to Seattle when he was like 30, whatever? You know what I mean? Like that one, like he was their captain. I've seen way more people talk about the Brody one just because it was like obvious they were ready to potentially move off. I mean, they did That's move off That's a good him. trade for them, right? Like that would have been like, they would have been getting Kadri, right? Like it's not like they were trading yeah. for... No, that would have been... It would have been a good trade for both both teams. It's so funny that Kadri ended up there anyway. <laughs> yeah. And signed there, like chose to be there eventually. I mean, obviously the money helps a lot. Um, I just had an interview with Tree Living the other day. I think it's actually Trey Living, by the way, not Tree Living. Do you know that? Uh, I th- yeah, everyone calls him Tree, though. If you talk to anyone yeah. in hockey, it's all... It's true. That's that's all anyone calls him is Tree. So, Which is I, ironic because I think I it's actually pronounced tree. Trey. Okay. Did he? Yeah. Did breaking you? news. <laughs> how do you How do you know that that's how it's pronounced? Uh, Mark, I think it was Masters who told me that that's actually how it's pronounced. Okay. Isn't that amazing? Like his nickname is Tree, but it's actually Trey. Maybe his nickname should be Trey. I wonder where. Um, I wonder where Trey living. I wonder where that name comes from. <laughs> we need anyway. Anymore. Maybe he'll come on the show one day and talk to us about his name. I think it's his belief that the defense, like, is probably a little underrated. The way it's being perceived, I do not agree with that assessment. Brody is is obviously a question mark. Like they just have a lot of question marks. Like we can't really assume a lot about their defense. I don't know how. I think it's, I think it's only underrated if like Lilgren is going to be take the next step. I think is one wild card factor for them. Yeah, and Klingberg really works out and like isn't a dis- disaster defensively and helps the power play. And McCabe, right. like anyway, it's a good to segue. Question. Yeah, it's a good segue. Tim says Jonas. Have you seen what work Klingberg is doing with the development staff? Have you seen like is Klingberg is Klingberg getting time like to work? It's on too early. Sp- That's yeah. believe me that that is on my radar of something to look into. But it's just they're they're not there yet. It's so early in camp. Like they're just like, can they rebuild him? I don't. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Like I, <laughs> it's not like he's like thirty five, but thirty one is like. I mean, players get better. Like we just saw Luke Shen, like the transformation that he make of obvi- he made. It's obviously a different type of player. Well, way different type of player to, to work with Adam Oates. Maybe that's the, <laughs> yeah, but he needs the opposite. He doesn't need the puck moving stuff. He needs like the defending. Well, part of it's puck moving. I mean, yeah, part of it, part of it with Klingberg is like decision-making like you saw in that game. Yes. It was like, like Oh my God, what are you doing? Yes, it was very like it was like Gardner on steroids kind of thing. Like it was like, <laughs> hopefully it doesn't go that way. But I mean, he was a good player. But one of the things I think they think in terms of like why they structure the pairs that way is I think they think like McCabe can kind of be a stabilizer for him. Like if you think back to his days in Dallas when he was most effective, he was playing with Lindell, who's mm-hmm. like very cool, yeah, I like, and stable I like and Lind- steady. I like I like Lindell. So that's kind of their thinking. Cole wants to know, uh, Klingberg's got a big body. He's presumably getting stronger with age. Oh, I love that. 31, he's still getting stronger. Um, does management believe the coaching staff can turn him into a more effective defender while maintaining offensive ability? If you squint, you can almost see the potential of a solid PKer with his frame. I don't think... The problem with Klingberg is you can't trust the decision-making with the puck to put him on the penalty kill. Because like, if you make a mistake on the penalty kill, it's in your net right away. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I haven't looked into how much penalty killing he's done in recent years. Do you know? I, mean, I don't. I've been looking a lot at like his power play stuff. Um, my guess is like a little bit in Dallas because he was just playing. Like he was playing huge minutes at one point. Here, I'll look it up while you talk. 
Yeah, he really was playing. Like, I mean, like, as you pointed out, he was like a Norris Trophy contender. So this is the last four seasons. He played 252 games. How many shorthanded minutes do you think he had total? I don't know. 40? Good guess. 47.52. So, like, See? really not a lot. See, I know what I'm talking about. That's not a lot. That was, yeah, like, he barely kills penalties. But I mean, like, earlier I don't in his think career, he, he probably played a little bit more. In the, but, yeah, no, I mean... Maybe. I mean, they had pretty good Ds in those groups. Let's see. Yeah, a little, eh, little bit. Not, oh, man. They really clearly did not like him on the penalty kill. That's just not what he is. That's not his DNA. And, like, yeah, I get that he's tall and, like, you can kind of see him. He Like, he kind of, on the ice, looks like a Ron Hainsey or something, right? Like, that kind of build. But that's not, that's just not who he is. No, like, you would think, like, he could do like Justin Hall is really good on the penalty kill, like long, but like he's a shot blocker. He plays a completely different game. So these are the minutes year by year, James. 950, 732, 1737, 9146, 4827, 17 and a half, nine and a half, 19, one, one minute and 50 seconds last year on the penalty kill. So I do not suspect he will be killing penalties. I mean, they have other killers, Brody, McCabe, Giordano, Lilligren, Riley. You're not going to mention Timmons or... No, like he's, he's not killing penalties, even if he's in the NHL. Lajoie, I, I was just no. joking that you're going to name every single defenseman yeah. that's not Klingberg as a yeah a as a penalty killer. Yeah, uh, wh- who's the guy that hasn't played yet? Simon Benoit. Yeah. Um. Okay, I got two here. Let, let's go with this one, James, and it's not me because it's James B. Uh, has Camp changed anyone's fortunes yet? Do you think Camp is? I think Gregor. I don't know if camps changed his fortunes or if they just believed coming in that he was going to make it. But like, I, th- I feel like he's going to make the team at this point. Yeah. You know what? Like one thing I really, really like about camp for me is like, I can watch players. I know you feel this way too. Like you can watch players from afar. You watch them on TV. You watch them when they come to Toronto and you're at the game. But when you get to see them really like up close in person, like I remember feeling this way a couple years ago when I first saw like Kasha at camp, Andre Kasha. And mm-hmm. I was like, holy cow, this guy's huge and he can skate and he's got I some skills. I was like, Jesus. Remember that one year with Engvall when he came to camp? and he Yeah, was, he and he's also another hard. monster. And I was like, I got to write about this guy because like this guy's clearly an NHL player. And hardly anyone was talking about Engvall at that point. But to your point, like you're in this little practice facility out there in Mimico and there's like whatever, three rows of seats and you can just sit there for like, I mean, how long are they on the ice every day? Like the, the day I came out there, they had they had a, a, a practice with one group, then a scrimmage between the two groups and then a, then a practice with the other group. Like you can just watch these guys skate up close for hours and you do that day after day, which is what you're doing and you just, you can see who's separating themselves. Yeah, you can really see who like clearly is an NHLer. Like, and and to your point about Gregor, like his pace is like clearly NHL. Like he he just skates like he can play in the NHL. And like you mentioned Gambrell before, like my first viewings of him like up close is like, eh, man, maybe like like he's he looks to me more fringy. Um, and so far that's like the way it's played out at camp. So. Yeah, that's one of the benefits of camp. And like you can see it with like even like Robertson day to day. Like he looks like he's like a teensy bit faster than he has been. Mm-hmm. He's still really young, right? Like I, I Robertson's age came up on my screen the other day and I was like, man. Like, yeah, he's 22. He just turned 22 like last week, two weeks ago. So, yeah, so he's like a year older than Nyes. Right. Yeah, so I, we, I don't know. Some people are sleeping on Robertson or giving up on him. I'm not ready to to do that just yet. 
No. Um, Darren wants to know which former Leaf will have the best season and which former Leaf will have the most disappointing season. And he gives us four names here. He doesn't include O'Reilly. So I guess love he this care. question. I guess he doesn't care. looks like O'Reilly is going to be the first line center in Nashville. If you looked at their lineup, it looks like he's going to be top power play one. Like, I mean, I mean, good. good I, luck, ta- I, I talked to, I talked to Luke Shen, obviously for a story. He said the vibes in Nashville right now are just great. Mm-hmm. Like great, like the team just like loves each other. Like it's such like a. I mean, we'll see how that actually matters on the ice. But it's a fun place to play. I mean, they got. I've been reading through all of our season previews at the Athletic. Like the work that uh, Shayna and Dom and Sean are doing on uh, on those season previews. I don't know how many of them you read, Jonas, but it's such a good way to catch up on where every team's at and the changes they've made. And there's yeah, it's it so in depth that you can. Like on the weekend, I was reading like, I'm getting ready for like my hockey pool and I'm getting ready for the season and just trying to like really dive in. And I'm reading about like who's on Nashville's third line and like Tyson Berry, is he going to be on the top power play unit with Yossi and all this stuff. And um, it's, Nashville is one of those teams that's like right there on the bubble. I think we, our, our group projected them for 87 points, got such good goaltending, but like, where's the offense going to come from? Their second line center is a young guy, uh. Nowak, I think is his name. Their Dude. forwards men are just not not great. <laughs> yeah. Like But I mean Trotz is the GM. I'm assuming they're gonna like try and play really defensively. Anyway, that we're off in like some weird Nashville tangent for some reason, but um highly, highly recommend. Okay, so uh Philip Forsberg, Ryan O'Reilly, Gustav Nyquist is the first line. Gurianov, who Dallas basically gave up on with Noah Novak. And Evangelista is the second line. Parsonen, Cody Glass, Tomasino, third line. Sherwood, Sissons, Trennan as the fourth line. Like, there's just not hardly any offense there at all. Like, they're going to have to win every game, like, 2-1 or 3-2. And, uh, I mean, Yossi's amazing. He's unbelievable. But you're just asking him and Saros to carry the entire team, it feels like. Man, he's older than I thought he was, too. Yossi? Yeah. How old do you think he is? 30? 33. Yeah. But he's amazing, though. Like, you watch the Nashville games I watched last year. It's like you're mostly just watching Yossi because, like, it's just, it's yeah, incredible. Like, like, he had 100 points, didn't he? Or, like, was that the year before? A couple like, years just, ago, yeah. It's just incredible. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we didn't answer the question. I'm getting distracted. What was the question again? I'm getting distracted looking at Nashville Predators lineups for some reason. The question is, which former Leaf will have the best season? Which mm-hmm. former Leaf will have the most disappointing season? And we got four names. He gives us four names. Shen, Sandine, Giant Skating Giraffe, or Michael Bunting? Bunting. You? Is going to have the best season? I think so. I haven't looked at where he's playing in camp. Here, I'm going to look um, it up. You, you state your case and I will... I just think he's gone to a really good team. I would suspect he'll be, he'll, he'll obviously have a role on the power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Second power play unit right now, but he is on the first line right now with Sebastian Ajo and Seth Jarvis. And I, for people in their fantasy pool, Seth Jarvis is one of the guys that you should target as a, as uh, that's a, good to a, know. a, a breakout candidate for sure. Yeah, you well, didn't sign like up for said, the athletic hockey pool, did you? I, don't, I didn't see your team in there. No, I, think, I have to, I'm running another there. league. I don't have time for that. Like, sorry. I'm doing two this year, and I know I'm going to regret it by about midseason. It's it's so much work, and I have other things like other football and basketball. 
See, this is why you got to be like me, and you just got to go down to one sport. Yeah, but I like other sports. <laughs> yeah, but like I mean, you look Bunting's first two years. Like he scored twenty three goals in each of those years. Like I think he'll score twenty again, and I bet he'll get sixty points. Well, Carolina's it'll be interesting, James. Like, who, let me ask you this: Who do you think will have a better season statistically, Bunting or Bertuzzi? Probably about the same. Yeah, probably. But I mean, health is going to be a big part of it too. Especially, yes, Bertuzzi has not been healthy. Bunting has been healthy. Yeah, I think Bunting's the right pick for most, for the best season. I think that that makes sense. Who do you think of that group will have the most disappointing season? Shen, Sandine, Engvall would be the choices. Sandine is playing high in Washington's lineup, and I know yeah, he's I think struggled. he'll get a lot of points. He's on the power play too, right? He struggled in those minutes. He's on he's on the first pair right now with John Carlson. And on the, oh, he's on the second power play unit based on the lines I've got. First unit, Rasmus Sandin. It was a smart trade on their part to make a bet on him. I don't know. I think Washington's going to be another one of those teams that's like Nashville that they've got the offense, but they're probably going to be like an 87 point team. Same, same level of, of quality there, especially if you're playing Sandin in minutes that are that big. I guess I'd pick O'Reilly. He wasn't on the list. Is he one of the <laughs> options? I'm making him an option. I mean, uh, I just like wonder what his next couple of years are going to look like. He's obviously, but they're gonna getting play older. The, they're going to play the shit as out we of all are. Like, like, I know. Can he yeah. stay healthy? Like, I don't. I, I'm, I'm dubious about that. Like, he's been hurt a lot I mean, the last couple of years. In the third line. I'm going to pick Engvall. They've got Engvall playing with Pajot and and Fashing, so he might be in a defensive role. And for how much he makes, you know, he's not on the power play. I could see Engvall not putting up a lot of offense for uh hard for him to live up to a contract where he's making three million why score like 15 to 20 goals you think Engvall's worth three million no but <laughs> <laughs> i'm oh, not Lou. okay we're we ready for the next question uh yep actually wait no <laughs> we need to take a break okay perfect thanks for teaming up we'll take a break and we'll get back to more questions and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Okay, continue, James. More questions. All right. We said we were going to go an hour. It feels like we're going to end up going longer here. Um, Zachary uh, has, it says, question for Jonas. Why are you on a crusade to move Tavares to the wing? To me, his best skill set is his face-offs. Moving him to wing feels like it robs him of the chance to do the one thing he's still elite at. He's elite at more than just face-offs, I would counter. I do not think that is his best skill. (laughs) 
His best be skill is on the power play. Like he's still super dangerous yeah. from the dots in to the net. Like he's still an amazing, amazing player. I've had some people say to me like, why are you guys so down on, on, on Tavares? Because, like, look how many points he had. It's like, yeah, but like he had like, like we're talking look about how many, him. Wait, 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 wait. Look, look how many points he had. He was an 80 point player. He makes $11 million. Like he's the, like the fifth or sixth highest paid player in the league. Like he's, I don't Not know, like that, he's viewed Jonas, but like differently a huge than percentage what, of those points are power play points. And literally, will, literally half. He's on one of the best power play units in the whole league. And he's amazing at that. Like I would not take that away from him. He's very, very good on the power play. And he works but, at it. Yeah. Like, but what we're talking happen. about at even strength, you look at his points per minute and I don't have it in front of me, but he's not an $11 million player at even strength. He's not. And most of the game is played nope. at even strength. 75% of the game usually is even strength. So that's why we keep talking about Tavares and foot speed. And did you hear the the Keith the day I was there? Keith talked about Tavares and how 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 much he's worked on his defensive game and that kind of stuff. I thought was was interesting. And yeah, um, he said that before. Like it just doesn't jive with what actually happened in terms of results. Like that's that's the, like we're not in a crusade. Like I am not a crusade. Like I don't. It doesn't matter to me. But one of the problems that this team has had year after year after year is every time they get to the playoffs, lines that he is centering get outplayed and outscored, and that is an issue. And it is not unusual. Only in this market is it a big deal. Players get moved from center to the wing later in their careers all the time. That's eventually what happens to basically everyone, and they just haven't done it because they don't have other options they'll get to that point like it will happen at some point whether it's this year whether it's next year well, he's only got one year left on his deal jonas yeah so. he's only got one year yeah i guess it could be well i guess it's one of the next years but to your point james like last year in five on five scoring Tavares ranked 67th in the nhl in five on five points well, what if you do it by per minute do you have that or is that is that i can do that go like ahead per, Just, per 60 for guys that played whatever a regular how many role. minutes you want like a thousand minutes eight hundred minutes yeah. let's do eight hundred yeah. minutes eight hundred is fine okay where did he I mean, he's going to fall way yeah. he's going to go way down the list because you're going to get some guys that were on the third line that he ranked eh, it's about the same seventy third okay yeah so and and that's not even getting into the defensive part of things which is where right. part of the concern is now and the, this the, year he is tied for seventh in terms of cap it by the way go ahead. The counter, I would say, to Zachary is you can still use Tavares on faceoffs. Like he can still he can take the draws on the power play if you want. He can take he can take the draws and then play wing when the play resumes. Like he just starts the play taking a faceoff. Like you could still use that skill. You know, well, remember been, there was that nugget uh, in one of Elliot Friedman's columns. I can't remember what year it was where they were talking. Maybe it was even after last year. They were, I think he mentioned like they were thinking about like a hybrid forward is what they were calling it, where he would take faceoffs but play the wing. Yeah. I think well, that's what it said. I, I'm pretty sure San Jose did that, right? Like I'm pretty sure. Well, Pavelski like was, right. is one of the best centers or faceoff guys in the league and he right. now plays the wing in Dallas. Right. right. I, I thought it was Logan Couture or something, but I mean like they, it's not unusual that you have someone take the draw who then largely plays wing when the, uh, when the play resumes. So, and the other thing too, that I think that I, because I think faceoffs get built up way too much. They get built up way too much on the broadcast. They get talked about too much. You know, I know the analytics folks have analyzed this to death. Faceoffs are like not, they're important, but they're not as important as the amount we talk about them. Like it's possession, it's possession changes so rapidly in hockey. There's so many possession changes 
the that one possession win off it'd be like i don't know it'd be like looking at i mean maybe they do this in the nba you can correct me if i'm wrong it'd be like looking at like who's best at jump balls and then like playing guys based on that like you know the the faceoff has faceoffs have an impact on possession but players and teams tend to gravitate towards 50%. Like even the best players in the league, like what's Tavares on faceoffs? 59, 60%. Yeah, right around there. You know, and again, not to take that not to take that away from him, but if even if you're winning 60% of the faceoffs but you're still struggling possession-wise and expected goals-wise at even strength, that's a problem. And I think it's more important most of the time to watch what they do, not what they say, and every year his ice time is going down. Last year he played 1739, which is a career low. Good player. Like, he really works hard at his game, like, professional as they come. But, like, he's 33. Like, this happens. Like, it just does. Well, we always knew, like, when he signed the seven-year deal, no one was like, oh, yeah, year six, he's going to be elite and worth $11 million and scoring 50 goals. Like, the, the part of the bargain when you sign those big free agent contracts is, more of the value is going to be early in the deal. Like, I don't think that that's that controversial a thing to say. It's interesting, you know, like Stamkos is going through a similar thing in Tampa. And the difference is that Stamkos has stayed with one team the whole time and and he's won. But there's still, there's still the, like this reckoning happening there where Tampa potentially might balk at, at paying him his next deal. And it's, it's age related. I mean, it has to do with other players they've signed. And Stamkos is a perfect example. I mean, he's a, they're the same age, right? I mean, they're almost very, very similar. A year apart, yeah. Like, well, where do you think those seventeen thirty nine in terms of minutes ranked among forwards? Mm, I don't know, seventieth, a hundred and first among guys who played forty games. Anyway, like this is not to like bash John Tavares, good player. It's just like these are well, realities. Like this, this is the captain, part of what's like, held. Yeah, you, you it's know, just part of what's that. held them back, James. At times in the playoffs, is some of these issues that we've highlighted. Drew says he has a contrarian take for us. He says nice. that we should consider selling at the deadline this year. <laughs> uh, they have a handful of pending UFAs that would fetch first round picks, et cetera, et cetera. Could trade Nylander, Brody, et cetera. Uh, their first round pick could be. Uh, you know, they could go into two, 25 and 26 with a bunch of first-round picks and some second and thirds. The thing the thing is, is that you just signed Austin Matthews. You have Marner. You have Nylander this season. You have Tavares. You have Riley. This team is built to win this year. Like, they were built to win last year and the year before, and they didn't do it. But the answer to that is not to blow it up and to rebuild. Like, they're not – that's not where they are right now. You know, even though we've we've said things on the podcast where – you, there's there's some areas they've taken a step back. They still have a chance to win the Stanley Cup this year, right? Sure. I so mean, they're in the inner circle. Like among yeah. like how many teams do you think can actually win the cup? Well, I don't know. It's different every year. I don't. Ten or twelve, maybe ten or twelve. Ten or twelve? That many? Eh? Yeah. All right. I'm going to count who I think can win the cup: Carolina, Jersey, the Leafs, Vegas, Edmonton, maybe. Colorado, that's six. Dallas, seven. Rangers? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's there's different degrees of... I mean, I Tampa, think last Florida? year... Last year, people would have said, like, Vegas wouldn't be in that group, and they ended up winning, right? So, like, I think that's why the circle needs to be a little bit wider than, like, saying seven include teams or something. Pitt? 
Yeah, Maybe. I mean, outside chance. Here, I'll actually, I'm going to look up Stanley Cup odds. Uh, this is a from the score. These are the Stanley Cup odds. Uh, so I'm just going to go 16 to 1 teams. They have like 8 or 9. So they've got Colorado, Toronto, Edmonton, Jersey, Carolina, Boston, Vegas, Tampa, Dallas, New York. That's a pretty good list. And then who's in the next ring of teams? Who's like the next three? So 25 to 1, 20 or 20 to 1, Florida, Calgary, LA. I mean, like, I think Florida has a potential chance. I mean, they were in so the So that's, finals. yeah, so that's like 10 teams. 10, I don't, I don't think Calgary teams. or LA. I mean, look, I was looking at LA's yeah, goaltending for so. fantasy, and it's like, what, are, what is going on there? And then who's after that? Uh, Buffalo, Minnesota, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, 30 to 1. That's not I, bad if like, you want to take a dark horse. Either. Yeah, that's true. Those are pretty good dark horses. I don't mind that. I mean, you could Sorry, see uh, like maybe you make a big move at the deadline or something and maybe things, maybe you get really good goaltending performance from. But yeah, I think the, you, the, 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 those seem like the right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like 10, right? It's probably the right number. Yeah, I think that's right. And if you really want to get crazy, James, how about. Let's get nuts. Hmm. Detroit at a hundred to one. <laughs> Is that right? Am I looking at that right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's too crazy. Speaking of, speaking of getting nuts, I I watched the movie The Flash the other day. Do you know anything? The about reviews this movie? are. I do. I know all about the controversy, but I have no interest in seeing the movie. And the, it was not supposed to be very good. But the best part about the movie is he goes back in time, or to another dimension, or whatever the hell happened. Is this the Spider Man stuff? Michael Keaton is Batman. <laughs> Spoiler yet, alert, James. You're supposed to tell people. What? Either, Although least, it was in the trailer, so. It was in the, I thought, I think everyone knows that. Anyway, Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. I saw Michael Keaton as Batman when I was eight years old. Like, that's how long ago that and was. And he's still Batman. It's amazing. But he's really good in it, though. Like, he's like the part of the movie that makes it, like, worthwhile. I mean, but it, it's he's like, a good it's actor. Like, it's like two and a half hours long, and it was a slog. I had to watch it in more than one sitting because it was just took so long to... Anyway, not the best movie of all time, but it was fun seeing Michael Keaton play this like crabby, disheveled old Batman. And then he comes out and he puts on the suit and kicks ass. So isn't Ben Affleck in it as Batman too? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> but Ben Affleck couldn't been, get Christian Bale. I guess uh, actually I, I, there, there's no they, way there are, there are more Batman in the movie. Then oh now that God. is a spoiler. I'm sorry if I write. There, That's there a are great more, spoiler. They're not a total there, there are more like Superman and like, there's like all these like cameos of like all these different people. So, and it's not what, what people would, uh, would expect. So anyway, I would give the movie, I think the movie is slightly better than the reviews is what I would say. I think it's a no for me. Yeah. Well, we have different music tastes and we have different movie tastes, don't we? But when it comes to podcast partners, we have the same taste. Uh, Jonathan says, Jonas seemed high on McCabe when he was acquired and said it might be hard for him to come into his own until he's had a full, full training camp. Now he seems really down on him. What happened? That's actually not what I said at the time. I was pretty low on it at the time. Remember? I think I was like the only one who didn't think it was like that he was the right guy. No, like that's literally, I was never high on that trade. You thought they needed someone better than that to... Yes. I did not think he solved their problem and he did not. Well, he's like a number four D. 
He's, I, think, I don't I think know that he is. I, I think you're too far down on him now. I think that you saw him like banged up and playing. They put him on like the top shutdown pair against two of the better teams in the league. True. He got exposed because he shouldn't be there. If you look at his career, like previously before last season, he was like a five number five defenseman on bad teams, like by minutes four or five defensemen on not good teams. I think he's and a now four. like you want him to be a number four on like a championship teams. I'm just like the dubious. But they were playing him higher than four in the playoffs, right? Like they were playing him with Brody against like right, know, which is why Kucherov it was not the right trade against Kachuk. What, what was the right trade for them to make at the deadline for a D? Orlov. Oh, who knows? I mean, they basically played the same price for Orlov as Boston did for Orlov and Hathaway as the Leafs did for Lafferty and McCabe. The difference, of course, which is not an insignificant difference is those guys are signed, but too bad, like, because it didn't help in the playoffs to, to the degree that they wanted. So there is no question that Orlov is, would be better than McCabe. That's for sure. Yes. And the thing I liked yeah. about McCabe is he's only making two million. He got him signed for two more years. I think he's the style of defenseman. The, the only thing I'd say to that is uh, that's brought up a lot. That's what, like, if he's actually on a third pair, which I think is where he should be playing, that's what a third pair defenseman should be making. Like, he's not like, anyway, we'll see. Like, maybe he'll he'll play better than I think. We'll see. Well, I just think that he'll look better when he's not put in those situations that he would. Like, he, he shouldn't be Well, he's be still going to have to play hard minutes. Yeah, but he shouldn't be playing, like, as much as he was against, like, Kucherov and... Matthew Kachuk and Barkov and I mean the counter is who's going to play those minutes if he's not him I just know I've talked to some of like the smart executives with other teams and they like McCabe as like kind of like a middle pair mm-hmm. defensive option so I mean we'll we'll, we'll see I he's one of McCabe's one of the I think few players on the Leafs that you and I slightly disagree on this year yeah, you another seem to one. Think he's a lost cause already. I don't think he's a lost cause. I just think I mean, on a, a championship he's a team, he's pair, a third pair defenseman. I mean, if he if literally you think he's finished. A third pair, the, he's a lost cause. He was a third pair defenseman in the playoffs at the end of the playoffs. Anyway, I mean, the other guy we disagree on is another part of that trade is my guy Sam Lafferty. Huh? Anyway. Yeah, although I don't know. You're coming around. Uh, uh, well, I'm getting people trying to convince me there's more there. So yeah, well, join the team. All right. I think uh, we got to wrap. So, yeah, that's all. That's all we got. We'll be back uh, next week. There'll be more preseason games. There'll be more stuff that's happened. Yeah, go to theathletic.com slash leap report. Read all our stuff. There's so much training camp stuff. Josh has got a good story in the works for Wednesday. Well, you're going to be writing later this week, we think. (laughs) Right? That's amazing, we think. I got to take a break from all these ice cream runs and watching The Flash and actually start typing some words uh subscribe to the athletics the athletic nhl's youtube channel at youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show that's it james that's all i got thanks jonas thanks james goodbye
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.